The Bedroom Producing Podcast, Season 1, Episode 1. Welcome to the Bedroom Producing Podcast. If you're a bedroom producer and you want to release tracks, perfect your workflow, or explore a new creative process, then this is the podcast for you. Today's guest is Lux Synth, also known as Daniel Gonzalez. Daniel is a prolific EDM artist out of Seattle, Washington. In today's episode, he will discuss building a Twitter following from scratch, live streaming, and his approach to actually finishing tracks. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, Chip? Doing great, man. Thanks for coming. So uh, I definitely want to talk with you about the releases you've been doing on Spotify the last couple of years. But before we do that, can you just tell us a little bit about your musical background and how you got to this point? Yeah, for sure. Um, I started music back when I was about 14, 15. My dad bought me a guitar for my birthday and kind of just like started teaching myself, going to YouTube, learning how to do all that. And most of the time I'd spend like in my bedroom playing guitar. I always knew that I wanted to be an artist. I just didn't know how to be an artist, you know? Uh-huh. And it, it wasn't until like maybe two years ago where I could actually afford to learn some more. And that's kind of how I uh, went into the EDM world. Like I, I've always liked EDM, but it wasn't until I started producing on a software that I realized that the electronic stuff was coming pretty easy because initially I was going to be a, I just wanted to like record my guitar and like make music from that. And yeah, (laughs) that's, that's pretty much how that started. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, uh, myself started off as a drummer and then I started playing around in the computer and it's like, Oh my God, just like such a huge world opens up to you it's just amazing all the things that you can do yeah so did you take lessons for the guitar or are you pretty much self-taught uh self-taught yeah um i would go to the local musician stores and look for guitar and like i would read um on how to do that look up tabs and stuff and i would just basically listen um for the notes that i'd be hearing um, on my MP3 player or on the TV and I would try to copy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. What was your first DAW? Um, I got like studio one, like eight years ago, but I never knew how to, how to work it. And it was still when I was in the guitar phase. And I remember I didn't, I didn't know how to do anything with the buttons and I accidentally did something to where it like changed everything and I didn't know how to go back to it. So I, I just stopped for a couple of years. I was like, all right, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I had like a similar experience with Fruity Loops. I'd play around with the sequencer, but I never really got the hang of it. Yeah. And, uh, eventually <laughs> drifted into Logic and Ableton. Yeah, it's and Logic's very seems very user friendly too. Um, how they keep it pretty similar to GarageBand and GarageBand, like very very user friendly as well. Yeah, I hear a lot of good things about Ableton as well. How it's good for like EDM producers and stuff. I haven't tried it yet, um, but it seems like it's good. <laughs> yeah, I'm personally a lot more comfortable with ableton at this point but um, i think it really doesn't matter it's a lot more what you're comfortable with right mm-hmm. and um 
yeah, I know that Logic has some new kind of like loop-based features. So that's interesting too, because I think that makes it a lot more like Ableton. Yeah, last weekend, um, Viv was actually showing me like the new updates because I never messed around with those. Yeah. And she was showing me how it resembled Ableton. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. I could definitely use this stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I'd love to learn how that works and be able to play with that as well. Mm -hmm. It's always interesting to like learn different systems. I think that helps you be able to kind of think about things differently or take a different approach. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it gets a little tricky when you're trying to collab with two different dolls, I noticed. Like, I'll have my buddy come over and we're, we're trying to work on a song together. Uh -huh. And I think he's using uh, FL Studio. Um, mm -hmm. And it only gets tricky when, we're, when we have an idea and we have to bounce it to audio. And then we have to send the audios back and forth so our DAWs match up pretty much. Yeah. But it's interesting seeing, like, the difference and seeing what he's able to do and um, what I'm able to do, stuff like that. <laughs> have, you, have you collaborated with this friend before? Um, we've been working, it's our first track, but we've been working on it since last year, but he's in the military as well. Um, so it's kind of hard to get on the same schedule and stuff. We're always busy training and all that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Balancing time is absolutely one of the tricks to it all, I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> so when you have worked with him, he's been able to come over to your house and you've been able to work in the same space though. Yep. Yeah, it's been good. Uh, just basically pull up another table and a chair and we'll basically pass the the monitor aux back and forth so we can hear how each sounds on the uh, the speakers. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Have you ever done any um, any long distance collaborations? Um, yeah, those are the ones that I'm working on right now with different vocalists. They're from like other states. Um, it's a little tricky because um, sometimes you have to have them record and then there's that wait time of whenever they're able to do it. You, so it's it's back and forth, um, but it, it, it definitely works out. Yeah, it's not a big problem. <laughs> it's awesome. As far as working with different vocalists, how did you find those people? How did you get connected with them? Uh, Twitter. Um, so during the quarantine time last year, um, everybody was home and I was home and um, I never really used Twitter that much. And I, I was noticing like the feedback was like right away. Like you could just say good morning and someone will reply good morning within a couple seconds. So I just started like growing my fan base from there and uh, networking with other producers, vocalists, and just building all that. So yeah, Twitter's the the go-to right now. That's awesome. Always been a little afraid to use it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely crazy. <laughs> It's definitely I always, crazy. I always thought it was one of those platforms I would completely mess up if I tried to use it. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of weird to understand it at first. I was like, I don't understand what this is. But I just realized it's basically like a journal, like you're talking to yourself, but people are replying to your thoughts pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It's and like that's pretty much how I treat it. Yeah. It's all public though, right? Everybody can talk to everybody on Twitter, yep. right? And yeah. that's kind of the interesting thing. It's definitely an interesting social media, and I think it's probably great for budding artists, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So you said, like, immediately people started kind of checking out your stuff and responding to you. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, it's been good. Because um, I was using Instagram, and I was like, I don't know how to find, like, 
the EDM fans, you know, and right there, it's easy to see because you can see an EDM artist post something and you see all the EDM fans retweeting and commenting. So it's so easy to track them down. So how do you think the fans found you then? Is there tags or something you set up on Twitter? No, basically, I'll just comment on their tweets as well and like get to know them, not really putting the music first or like spamming people with links or anything. I was basically using it like exactly as a social media thing, just getting to know people on a on a deeper level. And then the music kind of came second. They would be like, oh, he, he makes music and they would click on my links and see my tweets and stuff like that. Yeah, that's yeah. great, man. I think that in this world of overly saturated social media actually having that legitimacy and just being yourself holds a lot of weight yeah for sure i even had some dude he he's like hey i noticed you're getting a lot of interaction um he's like what's the secret are you using like a an app to help you out with that and i was like no man like i'm just legit being like 100 percent myself and like getting to know people that's awesome <laughs> yeah how many how many Twitter followers are you up to at this point? Um, almost to 9,000. 9,000. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. That's Getting fantastic, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about some of your influences, some of the different artists who led you to develop your own style? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's kind of tricky because there's just so many artists that I that I like to get inspiration from. Um, I think the initial one ever since I was a kid was definitely like Michael Jackson because um, my dad would play him all the time and I'd watch his music videos and stuff. And in that perspective, it was just seeing like how he like held himself like as a star and stuff like that. I wouldn't necessarily pull any inspiration music wise, but just like his persona and like, yeah, basically how he he carried himself. Can you moonwalk? No, <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> That'd be cool though. <laughs> um, but basically, yeah, as I got into the EDM, more into the EDM world and stuff, let's see, I found artists like uh, Apache. He's known for combining like classical music with his bass and just doing crazy stuff like that. It's uh, A-P-A-S-H-E. So I, I like to listen to him for references, see how he's doing that stuff, because that's kind of a lot of what I like to put into my music. Yeah. Um, it'll be like piano and then some orchestra in there. Yeah, it's um, a really cool sound. Yeah, and then uh, Hans Zimmer for sure. Oh, yeah. Like his, his whole vibe, I like to reference that, see where he's putting everything in the mix, in the stereo image, um, and just seeing how it feels in general. Uh -huh. how inspiring it is and then uh nasco he's pretty good he's still like up and coming um definitely i think deserves more credit but um his sound design is insane so i like to listen to him and see how he's doing things he does like dubstep with his his vocals and like just changes it so crazy so that you can't even recognize that it's his vocals anymore it just sounds like a dubstep song it's crazy yeah it's awesome <laughs> Yeah, and then um, let's see who else. Um, I like to listen to Armin Van Buren. Yeah, uh, he's a trance artist. Yeah, um, he probably had one of the biggest impacts when I first started. Um, there's a song called "The Last Dancer," 
And in the middle of the song, there's like this break where you can hear like the vocals and it sounds like real dreamy. And I was yeah. like, wow, I want that that dreamy vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. Uh, that's got to be like, yeah, that's got to be the initial um, inspiration that I got behind everything was that song. There's a lot of different ones out there. Um, Excision for his dubstep. I like to listen to him, see how he's making his heavy stuff. Um, Elenium too, he makes it very emotional. And then another duo is Slander and and the way they combine like their dubstep sounds with the, the emotional sounds like in one track is a lot of what I want to do. So I like to listen to them and get an idea of how they're combining those two and making it work. <laughs> That's great, man. It kind of sounds like you like to marry that heavy sound, that bass sound with melodic elements, yeah. orchestral elements, you said, mm -hmm. atmospheres. Yeah I, yeah, I love all that stuff. And you can hear that in your music, too, if you listen to it. Awesome. You mentioned some of these guys like Nasco and the way that he processes things. As you're developing your own style, did you find like any particular YouTube channels or did any of these guys teach sound design or anything like that? Or did you just kind of like explore, experiment? Yeah, there's tons of YouTube videos out there that I would look into, but also Nasco occasionally does uh, live streams on Twitch. And that's where I found out that he was doing that with his own vocals. Like I, I didn't know he was that that was his own vocals he was using. And there's a lot of different producers that will go on Twitch and will kind of let you see as they're working their workflow and how they're sound designing, stuff like that. And then I also learned a little bit about it through Berkeley, Berkeley Online. Yeah. Does Berkeley Online constitute most of your formal training as a music producer? Oh, yeah, for sure. I would still be trying to learn if I didn't do my Berkeley courses. Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of the goal, too. Like, I knew that it would take forever if I tried to YouTube everything and find everything myself. So I was like, if I have like a set schedule um, where I had to do things and I had a teacher and getting feedback from them, I'm pretty sure it'll help boost my learning. So I ended up just investing in that and it worked out like really good. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that there's probably a ton of information out there if you look for it. Yeah. But if you have it in the school, it's kind of there in an organized way so it can take you to the place you want to be. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, like, if you're especially on YouTube, you've got to kind of like weed out what's actually helpful and what's probably not the best thing to do. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And then I think there's something to the factor of having a deadline. You know, somebody's going to check up on the work that you do, you know, yeah, you have exactly. to meet that goal. Accountability. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. for. Sure. Accountability. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so when you're doing sound design, do you, do you have favorite synthesizers you like to use? Um, Serum for sure. Oh, Serum's yeah. the number one thing that I use right now, yeah. But I also like to run it through, there's a couple of different other softwares you can run your synth through. Like I use Output, Portal, and what else do I use? Uh, movement. And basically that'll get it and get your sound and like just do crazy things with it. Like especially Portal, it's like a, what they call it, like a granulated 
synthesizer or something like that. Yeah. And it'll just, yeah, it just morphs it all crazy. Um, or I'll use uh, Manipulator by by Polyverse. It's a infected mushroom manipulator. Cool. Yeah. And um, I think they originally made that for vocals so you can do crazy stuff with them. But I had a buddy telling me that you can throw it on like anything and try out different stuff. So I like to go on there and mess with it. Does it like use cool delays or what kind of stuff does it do? Um, it's like pitch changes, format changes, and like it'll add different harmonics and um, it has like an LFO on it. it. Just does crazy things, like weird things. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool. It, it works out. Um, they also have a plugin called wider or widener and i like to use that uh, i'll basically have my instrument like a synth on mono and then from there i just stretch it so it like fills out the image a bit better that's fantastic man yeah so for bedroom producers people that work out of the home you've found some different options as an alternative to just having studio monitors right some things that can kind of emulate the studio space Yep. Um, so yeah, besides having monitors and the panels and the diffusers and stuff, um, I could tell that there was like still a problem because I don't know a whole bunch about room treatment and stuff. I just did the best I could. So I was like, man, I need some like headphones where I can accurately hear what I'm doing because I would notice there'd be a bad translation when I'd go from this studio into the car and it'd be it, I would hear stuff that I wasn't hearing in the studio and I was like oh man so yeah originally I was using audio technica headphones and they worked good but I could still tell there was like some kind of translation missing in there so recently I just got these slate vsx headphones and basically that allows you to listen to your song in different environments and you can get an idea of how it how it sounds across the board of between like a club environment um different cars like tesla suv um even a couple different studios and even different headphones like um somehow it works with the headphones so you can see how it'll sound with like airpods it's it's wild yeah but it's definitely helpful <laughs> yeah sounds fantastic man I uh, I definitely need to get a set of those. Yeah, they're they're so helpful. Like I was hearing stuff that I never really paid attention to, and it's like basically you have like it feels like you have like a magnifying glass. You can hear everything going on. Like if there's clutter, you can hear it like right away. It's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Super jealous. <laughs> so you like to use uh, what's the synthesizer? Uh, serum yeah yeah serum yeah what is it that you like about that synth um the thing i like i catch myself doing most is playing with the the lfo the rates and stuff because a lot of my stuff i like to make the synth like do like choppy fluttery stuff um and just being able to program those and automate everything i know you could do it in other synths too but um i don't know i just got used to it over time so yeah it comes naturally now yeah <laughs> yeah and i think that's what it is a lot of the time too like i feel like you're better off to have like one thing that you like and you're comfortable with rather than like 
have a bunch of different things, but then kind of be confused every time you open it back up and have to relearn it. That's yeah. just my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I notice one of the things about Serum is it seems to have really nice visual feedback for the waveform. Yeah, for sure. You get to see exactly what it's doing. Like Omnisphere, that's how I feel when I open Omnisphere because there's just so much going on. I'm like, oh man, this is this is kind of crazy. Oh yeah. Usually I'll go in there and just turn down the reverb or turn off the reverb. But yeah, mostly I just keep the Omnisphere sounds the same and then tweak them after I bounce the MIDI file. <laughs> I I don't have Omnisphere, but it looks like a super cool one. So jealous of yeah, that one too. It's definitely helpful. It's a heavy one though. It has so many gigabytes <laughs> yeah do you know how big it is i think it's like 50 gigabytes something like that maybe? yeah yeah that's a lot <laughs> it's interesting you yeah. start like loading up some of these libraries and it's like you need to go get an external drive or something yeah you know? oh yeah yeah do you find that you work with samples and manipulation of samples or do you mostly work um, with sense yeah i definitely use samples for like say there's an effect and I'm not sure exactly how to make that effect or find it. I'll just find a sample that kind of resembles what I was going for. And then I'll, I'll put it in there and tweak it. So it fits the vibe of the track, whether I got to like EQ it. So it's a bit darker or brighter, but yeah, I definitely use it. I find myself using samples for a kick. Say I can't find a kick that I really like in battery or another software. Um, and I know there's like people that sound design like 24 seven and they have like great sounds on, on there. So yeah, I'll go find like a kick or a snare. And then even if it's not in the key, I'll use, uh, a plugin that'll help me fine tune the pitch for it. Yeah. And basically use it for that. Yeah. Other than that though, besides percussion and drum effects. Yeah. I, I basically use synths and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Cool, man. Do you have a favorite source when you're looking for samples? You mentioned battery, uh, so native instruments. Yep, native instruments. Um, Cymatics is a good one. They have tons of packs for cheap or if not for free. Splice is a good one. I like to go to as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, those are, those are actually the only ones I use. <laughs> Going back to working with vocalists, do you write the top line melody and give it to them? Or are you letting them write the top line? What's working for you? Um, right now, what's working for me is hearing their melody. And I like to build around their ideas. Since it was their emotion, they kind of knew what they wanted to sing and stuff. Unless there's like one note that I feel like could be better, I'd let them know. But for the most part, I'll take their melody and I like to work around that. And then if I hear something in my head that I feel would be cool, like for one of my songs during a breakdown, I was like, right after the drop, I was like, it'd be really cool if you did like this melody and I played it on the piano for them. And then they basically sang to that. So it works for, for that too. But for the most part, I like to go off of their melody and build from there. That's cool, man. So you meet someone on Twitter and then they have like uh, an acoustic melody or acapella version. And so you just go off of what they have and then develop it from there. Yep, exactly. And then it's cool too, because um, 
I'm finding most of the time the recording may not be perfect, but I can get an idea of what to build around it. Like the one I was working on last night, the vocal isn't perfect. There's a ton of clicks and stuff in there, but it was still inspiring to be able to just put it into the doll and start building instruments around it. And then we'll go back and just re-record. And this time they'll be able to record um, to the music in their ears. So the timing and everything and their pitch will be a little more on point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's fantastic. I want to say one of the point blank classes I took talked about the idea of basically like developing a scratch vocal or a rough vocal take kind of as a placeholder and you can develop things around it and, and go back and uh, redo the vocal later. Yep. Sounds like that's what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk with you a little bit about productivity. I know you're a family man. You're working full time. I think a lot of people who are listening to this might be able to relate to that. And it's difficult to balance your life as an artist and what you have a passion for with all of these other things. So can you talk about what you think contributes to your productivity as an artist and actually getting output? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's definitely hard balancing family and work and all that stuff. But I noticed for myself personally, especially last year when we were all home and stuff, for some reason I was producing less and I, I came to the realization that I might need that outside influence or that feeling that I can't produce because then it just motivates me to go in there and actually produce. I noticed when I actually had the time to produce, I wasn't producing as much as I could have been. <laughs> it's it's funny how that works yeah. like that. You know, when your time is compressed, it's almost like you need to make better use of it. Yeah, exactly. And nowadays when I'm working on a track, I'll work on it when I wake up before I go to work a little bit, even if it's just editing one little part or automating one little section. And then I'll, on the way to work, I'll listen to the, the rough edit and basically write down in my notes on my phone, parts that could be better, parts that I should fix. And then as soon as I get home for lunch, I'll go and fix those parts. Then I'll go back and I'll be at work. I'll put my headphones on and listen to it while I'm working. As soon as I come back from work, I'll go and start fixing it again. And then I'll take a break here and there, watch a movie or do anything that'll just give my ears a break, you know, and then I'll come back to it and start working on it. Sometimes if I'm in the zone, I'll just spend all night just working on it. I definitely don't take as much breaks as I should. And I usually do run into that ear fatigue. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? it is, yeah, and it, it gets crazy, especially when you're trying to mix. I noticed is when you need the most breaks because I've hit a couple of times like this point where I wasn't able to hear the sounds and like I couldn't hear like the dimensions of the sounds. Like if I spend too long on it, everything just kind of turns into one blur, one wall. And that's the worst, worst um, situation to be in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. The uh, the other thing I've noticed with ear fatigue is you can be working on a project and as you're working on it, um, those volumes, you kind of like slowly start to creep them up, right? Mm -hmm. And then you come back to it later and you're like, oh my God, so loud. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And it's the same I noticed with like uh, EQing too. Like if you're mixing for so long, eventually some frequencies for myself I noticed will start bugging me and I'll hear I'll hear like certain high frequencies that will just start bugging me. So I'll go in there and like EQ them. And then the next day I find out that I EQ'd it way too much. So yeah, but this, uh, the Slate VSX headphones, they're yeah. actually designed to kind of help you out with that ear fatigue as well. Cause you're not hearing the sound directly into your ears. It kind of places it away from you and gives it some dimension. So you're not, constantly bringing up the volume and stuff it's it's really cool yeah yeah that's fantastic <laughs> i'm super jealous of that so i need to get us that for sure <laughs> do you find that you work on multiple projects at a time sounds like you do um i try to it's it gets hard though um because if i get like really really in the zone on a song i'll be like emotionally attached to that so if i'm working on another one i kind of get scared that that emotion will go into the other track, you know, like if the other track's more chill, I'm sometimes scared that I'll go into like, let's say a heavier track and then subconsciously start making that one more chill. Yeah. So depending on the vibe, I, if I'm like really zoned in on one song, I'll definitely try to try to finish that before I start touching too much of another song. Very cool. Um, unless I just need a break from the track, like I've been listening to it way too much, um, I'll go and start working on another project. And then I might even find more inspiration in that one and just try to finish that one. And then I'll go back to the other one. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that you finish most of your projects or do you think you leave a lot of things unfinished? No, I definitely kind of force myself to finish each project that I work on. Um, besides my older stuff, like when I first started producing, there's like three or four songs I still have on my computer that like last week I was listening to and I was like, wow, these have a lot of potential. I have to go in and work on these. Like the the new one that's coming out with Alan Watts, that one was one of my first ones that I made like two or three years ago. And I never really touched it because I, I was in that phase where I didn't really know what I was doing as far as like sections and elements or how to treat his vocals so yeah i spent the last month just grabbing that song switching out instruments making them a little more high quality and actually putting sections to the song so it flows nicely yeah it sounds like what you're describing is that as you learn to get better at mixing that also helped you to finish oh yeah for sure i definitely think mixing is probably one of the one of the weak points that I that I like to focus on and work on the most, the story part of it isn't, or the outline of the track isn't too much of a problem because usually it just comes out, you know, I'll hear it in my head or like I see kind of how I want the song to be. But it's always to the mixing part where I get slowed down, yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of us struggle with that. Yeah. <laughs> so you talked about the story part of a song when you first begin a project can you talk a little bit about how you come up with the concept or how you visualize it um usually it'll be a certain emotion i'm feeling that day like say i'm at work and i i'm kind of like angry or something someone says or if i'm sad or something i'll go i'll come home at lunch and like play around on the piano 
like one note at a time and like building chords from there. And usually, cause I don't know anything about music theory and chords and stuff like that. Um, so usually I'll just start with one note. And if that note goes along with how I feel, then I'll just build from there. And once I have the idea in my head and I have it memorized on how to play it, cause I got to kind of learn the song myself as I'm coming up with these notes, then I'll go to the, the DAW and I'll record it from there. And then I basically have this, I basically have the idea down from there yet yeah, once I start the melody. Like my song, The Calling, Yeah. Um, that, that one was a little heavier vibe. And that happened because I was talking to this fellow producer and we were talking about collabing and stuff. And he was like, yeah, man, you could come in with your, um, what do you say, your cute melodies and cute chords. And I was like, oh, hell no, man, I don't want to be. <laughs> I felt, I don't know, it just kind of frustrated me that I was, that he saw me as like the cute melody chord guy. <laughs> so I was like, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to show him that I can make something else. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's quite a spectrum to your music. So yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be too worried about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you begin writing your melodies, do you like to start with a simple sound like a piano or do you like to start with loading up a bunch of crazy sounds and going from there? Um, no, definitely simple sounds like, yeah, yeah. I go straight to the keyboard. It's not plugged into anything mm -hmm. and I just have it on the normal piano setting and I'll pick it out from there. Um, it just gives me, it just, I don't know. I could, it just gives me like a raw feeling like I can hear exactly how it's going to be. And then from there I'll go and change, find an instrument that fits the story kind of. So you'll flesh out that melody and you'll start to add the harmonies later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another thing I try to do um, is with like the chords and stuff um, in the background when I'm playing those chords on the piano, I like to get other instruments like a pad or something and I'll kind of fill in the space of those chords. Like say I'm missing some high end and there's something in that chord that I could put in there. I'll put like pads or something that'll like, make that chord sound fuller and it improves like the sonics of it. Cause you, you just don't have one chord of one instrument playing. You'll have a chord, but certain notes are played by different instruments at the same time. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're kind of layering things together to build a more complex harmony. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So I'd like to talk with you about what inspires you. You mentioned maybe just, some of how you're feeling about what's going on in your life. What do you think feels creativity for you? I don't know. I can't explain it. There's like this world that I see in my head and, and it's like addicting to keep coming to the computer and actually being able to bring that creativity into the real world is, is crazy to me, especially once I get the artwork for it. Once um, I talk to my buddy and he's able to like make it from scratch exactly what I see in my head. And I, I got to say, that's probably like one of the biggest things is just being able to see something that was in your mind in the real world. It's super crazy to me. I love that. And then, yeah. And then uh, just inspiring people too. like getting sometimes I'll get messages and people will tell me how my music inspires them or inspired them to get started. Or um, even this one guy, he he was telling me about how he just 
got out of rehab and stopped doing drugs and stuff. And he was actually telling me how my music helped him out. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. I never would have thought that I would do something like that. And this one lady, she also messaged me and she was telling me about how her sister just passed away and how my music was helping her too. And it's, it's inspiring seeing that stuff. So that keeps me going as well. Cause I'm like, there's people that are, that are actually listening and they're actually getting something from this. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> Have you ever written something that's particularly personal to you? Um, probably astral. Cause that I was kind of, usually I find myself creating a lot when I'm in these like depressed, uh, state of mind and astral you'll see in that one it's funny because like i'm in like a depressed state of mind but then when i'm making my music it comes out happy which is super crazy i guess subconsciously that's what i want to hear so that's why i create that and in that one there's this vocal sample and he's like he says like no matter what happens you got to hang on yeah i remember that. that's kind of what yeah that's kind of what i needed to hear at that time so I, I think that one's super personal, yeah. That's awesome, man. <laughs> That's awesome. You feel like that kind of helps you deal with what you're going through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you tell me, what do you think is your biggest challenge as a producer? I'd say my biggest challenge is is mixing and creating space for all the elements that I add in there. I noticed I like to add a lot of layers, which I'm trying to work on making it more minimal. And that's definitely my biggest challenge because then if I have a song and I'm already emotionally attached to the layers that are in there, um, I got to go in there and try to carve out space and try to put them all around the the stereo image so that it sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> You're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Layering is, is, is a crazy, crazy habit. It could be bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Let's talk a little bit about performance. Obviously, it's been a crazy time, lockdowns and everything. Uh, but you've been involved in doing some live streaming and things, right? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I basically was meeting people that hold their own festivals on or virtual festivals on Twitch. And they, a couple of them reached out to me last year and this year and asked me if I would be a part of it. And that was super exciting since we just finished the the DJ course and stuff. I was like, wow, I get to actually put this knowledge to to work. And it's pretty interesting. It's fun because um, you get to see people's reactions through Twitch and the comments and how they feel about you. And it's cool seeing like your viewer count and like if it's going up or down, you can kind of gauge how you're doing and oh, stuff. Oh, so they're so they're rating you then. Basically, yeah. that's what it feels like with the viewer count. Yeah, I think I saw that on an episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a crazy one. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's good. Um, it's a good time. Um, because you can create that world also that's in your head and just apply it to whatever soundtracks already out there and just create a vibe from there. That's great. Are there any particular gear recommendations or anything for um, live streaming? Probably a definitely number one would be a computer that can handle you DJing and recording at the same time, especially if you're live streaming, live streaming, because for some festivals, they 
have you pre-record it and then send it to them so that way all the set times are exact nobody goes over or under um but if i notice you're doing live streaming live streaming it could run into a problem of cpu i ran into that problem trying to do it from my laptop i had a green screen behind me and uh the visuals going and i noticed my dj software started acting up it wouldn't let me load the next song and um, my computer started having audio issues and then eventually just crashed. It was the the worst experience. <laughs> I was like, no, oh. it was like my very first one too. I had, I think I, I had like 20 people watching and that was, that was a lot for me because I've never played for that many people before. And I was like, oh no, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but there's some people that they'll, especially if they're doing like pre-recorded sets, they'll actually use their phones. They'll record that way and the video that way. And then they'll use their DJ software to record the audio. And then a lot of them will go into iMovie and line up the video and audio that way. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just sync it up. Um, for myself, I use uh, a Canon, Canon 80D. And I'll record the video that way and use my controller to record the audio. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry it crashed on you. Yeah. I guess it's technical it difficulties of uh, living through a pandemic, I guess. It was, it was crazy. I ended up just going to uh, Instagram Live. I was like, you know what? We'll just do it from my phone on, on Instagram Live. And it worked out pretty good. It was, um, people were enjoying it still, so it made me happy. That's cool, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I still need a new computer, though, that'll be able to handle the green screen behind me yeah yeah well something tells me when all this craziness is over you're gonna be playing in front of a lot more than 20 people so i hope you get yeah, a new computer uh, yeah for sure it's been crazy during these festivals like seeing the the view counts i think the most people i've played for was about 100 around there 100 people and i was like wow this is crazy i can't believe they're actually watching this that's <laughs> awesome man it's inspiring You've got a new single coming out. Yep. Um, it's called Awakening featuring Alan Watts. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. That was the one I, I started a couple of years ago that I didn't really do too much with. A big reason also was that I took the vocal sample from YouTube, but I always felt weird about it. I was like, eh, this doesn't feel right that I'm taking his vocals. And, and I was trying to find a way to get a license for them. I even went to other artists and I would um, message them, but they wouldn't reply back. And then it wasn't until a month ago where I tried working on the song again. I was like, you know, what? I need to find a way to get approval for this vocal. So then I went to the Alan Watts organization website and I found an email there and it was for his son who runs the the website. And I messaged him, sent him a demo of the the track and he approved of it and and it's been awesome like talking back and forth with him seeing how he felt about the song and seeing his approval for it it's really inspiring i was like wow that's amazing yeah <laughs> no, that's super cool man that's an awesome story yeah. it's gonna be awesome um he even i don't know i don't want to get my hopes up i'm pretty sure he'll do it though but um they have a alan watts youtube channel yeah, where he said he's gonna get the the track and like put an inspiring film behind it. So I'm excited to see how that turns out for sure. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, man. 
Yeah, I can't wait to see that too. No, <laughs> that'll be awesome. Well, I got just a couple more questions for you here and we'll start wrapping up. Yeah, no problem. One thing I want to ask you is suppose that you've written something, you've got a few bars and it's working pretty good, but you're kind of stuck in a loop. It's kind of like starting to hypnotize you. What do you like to do to break out of the loop? I know exactly what you mean because I've I've had that situation before um, where you get emotionally attached to it and and then you start trying to do something different with it and it just doesn't go with that that eight bar loop that you made or 16 <laughs> bars. Yeah. Um, I found the best way for me was to mute instruments, even if it's like the beat or the chord, I'll go in and I'll mute stuff and make it like bare again to where it's like a raw idea. Usually it'll be like the drums or something so I can focus on the music. So say I have chords in the eight bar, I'll go in and mute everything else besides the chords and then try to continue the story musically from there. Yeah. That's a great idea. I love mm-hmm. that. Or even, uh, especially if there's vocals on there too, I noticed a lot of times for me, my mind will focus on the vocals. And if it's just a simple eight or 16 bars and I get emotionally attached to the vocals, but don't know how to continue the music, I'll go in and I'll, I'll mute the vocals. So that way I can actually focus on continuing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a great technique, man. I'm definitely going to try that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's helpful. <laughs> Do you have any uh, any favorite production tip or favorite mix tip that you could share with someone who's a home producer? Um, yeah, for sure. I would say to keep it as simple as possible and to get the idea out there as fast as possible, as fast as you can. That way you'll have the initial story already on there and not to add layers especially if you're first starting until you have the actual idea outline you have like the bones of the track that way everything else is just kind of assisting with help bringing it up and then probably not taking too long of a break Um, at least for me I noticed if I take too long of a break like weeks or months and try to go back to a song it's kind of difficult for me to get back into that mindset especially if I'm ready out of that emotional state that I was in and I have to put myself back in there. I know for some producers, it doesn't really matter. They just go with it. But for me, it's like so such an emotional thing. It could be tricky. (laughs) Those are great tips, man. It sounds like you're saying flesh out the story of the foundational elements first, and then you can add the bells and whistles later. But you're getting the main idea of the song and you're getting the form of the song as well. So you know what the big parts are and the quiet parts exactly before you add in too many layers Mm -hmm. even like for edm too i noticed for like a drop you don't even have to go in there and make the drop all crazy right away like i'll go in there and maybe i'll have like piano chords playing for the drop just to get an idea of the emotion that i want to feel and then i'll go in there and switch out the instrument for a synth or something like that And then later on, I'll go in there and chop up the chords to add that flair to it. (laughs) That's a great tip, man. Okay, last question. What advice would you give to someone who's just starting out producing electronic music? I would say the very first thing would be to learn the ins and outs of the DAW 
so that way you're not like me getting the doll and like messing up one little thing and stopping forever <laughs> until you decide to come back with it. Because once you know the ins and outs, then you can actually take those ideas from your mind and record them. 100%. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree with you more. Thanks again so much for being here. Where can people find you online? Where can people find your music, your your Twitter, all that stuff? It'll just be Luxynth, L-U-X-S-Y-N-T-H. Um, I have a website, Instagram, um, Facebook. I don't get on Facebook as much, but I do have a page there. And Twitter, Twitch. Twitch is Luxynth Music. And then I just made a TikTok too, where I'll put like little visuals of my my mixes um, or little snippets. <laughs> and if people go to um, Spotify, they'll just find you under Luxent. Yep. Yep. Spotify, um, pretty much any streaming service. Perfect. Uh, YouTube, you'll see some of my sets on there as well. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I definitely made sure there wasn't any other Luxents when I made my name. So it's really <laughs> easy to find me. It's <laughs> great. Yeah. Man. But yeah, I appreciate you having me. This this has been awesome. 100%, man. I'd absolutely love to do it again. Thanks for coming yeah, on. for sure. Wow, that was an amazing conversation with Daniel. I get so inspired just by talking to him, and I'm so grateful to have the opportunity. I love the vision that he has for his work and how he wants to share the world that he experiences with other people. I also took away just how disciplined the guy is. Every morning he wakes up to work on his music, he listens to his bounce on the way to work, he makes changes on his break, he works on his music at the end of the day. The guy is the epitome of discipline, and that really shows in his work. Also, Daniel did briefly mention sampling from various sources today. Guys, I'm not a lawyer, so make sure you do your own research when it comes to sampling from various sources. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please subscribe. And if you want to get in touch, Daniel has inspired me, so hit me up on Twitter, at Producer Chip. Also, check out the website, bedroomproducing.com. I'll make sure to put some show notes up there with links from different things that we discussed in the show. Until next time, my name is Chip, and this is the Bedroom Producing Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Bedroom Producing Podcast. For more content like this, visit bedroomproducing.com.